Father's power. Well, are there many players in life? Well, there are many pieces to the puzzle. And with that in mind, we are not ignoring them. What we are highlighting today, a father. And the power of a father. I want to begin by saying, I can't explain to you why some of your children turn from the teachings that you have given to them as their father. But we must never stop being teachers of God. We must never stop being godly fathers for our children and for our society. We must always believe that the best is yet to come. And there are many reasons why the best is yet to come. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. We need to capture the grace that's for the hour. And not be taken back by the sin that seems so evident. Passage of scripture that we read in Melchi is a revival scripture. It is generational in its concept. It contains within a major promise. Even as God closed out the scriptures, the Old Testament, he closes them out with a revival promise. Yes. He tells us that there are something that he's going to do. He's going to send a messenger or a word. With that word is going to be a spirit to facilitate that word. He gives the promise to generations Fathers and children. He's going to turn hearts in order to prevent a downward spiral. And it has to do with relationships, families. Oh, yes. He says that what's going to happen is there's going to be improved family relationships. The revival starts at home. The revival is about the bridge of the past and the future being kept alive. What is a father? A past. What are children? The future. He says that there is going to be hearts for the next generation and hearts for the previous generation. I will turn fathers to children and children to fathers. I'm excited. God says that he would be the force that would be behind it. 
All we have to do in essence is be the ears in the heart that hear and believe. I believe that this all started when John the Baptist came, and there's so many scriptures for validation on that, and I could go into them for you. But relationship is the chain that links family. And family is the backbone of society. In this revival, training matters. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, you know how I exhorted comfort and charged every one of you as the father does his own children. I believe that it's within the boundaries of the insight in the scriptures that it is not, that it is both heavenly father and earthly fathers. I think that in order for earthly fathers and children to come together, I think that there has to be a coming together of the hearts to the heavenly father. He will turn them to the fathers. Who's the first father? Oh, yes. God, the father. What we see throughout scripture is that God needs righteous generations to produce righteous generations. You remember the story of Ham. His son Canaan, and from that line and lineage, there was a trail off. And the outcome of it, the falling away, is depicted in the Kings and the Chronicles. What happens when we miss a righteous generation? When one generation fails to inaugurate and uh, teach the word about God. Solomon, his failure led to a total disregard for God's word. Think about it. But also, Josiah. He began to be the one that God restored. And God's word was brought again into the forefront of not just the nations, but the families. You see, lost generations can only be brought back and won by the recovery of the word of God. Somebody has to find the word. Because that's what Josiah did. They found the word and he brought it forth. Oh, yes. So he says there's a spirit of Elijah that's going to come. And one of the things that both Elijah and John the Baptist had in common was the spirit of preparation. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Elijah's ministry was about preparing the people, getting them ready. Elijah, responsibility ended his life with him preparing Elisha. Fathers are preparing sons and daughters. 
Elijah gave away his anointing. Mama, dad in particular, you have an anointing. It can be given away. There must be preparation for it. The spirit of repentance was also the spirit of Elijah. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Elijah on Mount Carmel called the people to repentance. If God be God, then serve him. If some other, in that case it was Baal, if that's God, then serve him. He says we need to make decisive decisions. Am I doing okay this morning so far? All right. Hallelujah. We're bringing revival. And fathers are the powerful tool to bring in revival. And there was also another element of the spirit of Elijah, and that is the heavenly fire. On Mount Carmel, it was a heavenly fire that came down. John the Baptist stood when he was preaching and said, there's one who is among you who shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There would be a divine energy. It would come. Oh, hallelujah. The best is yet to come. Because we are not energizing ourselves. We are being energized. Hallelujah. By the Spirit of the Lord. God introduces the idea of Father, and He conveys it early in Scripture. Yes, it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 a man shall leave his father. Early he passes to us a dynamic role. A role that he himself, who is the eternal father. What is a father? It's one who stands at the helm and leads their family through life's battles and into life's blessings. He's the protector, the provider, the family builder, and the generation molder. A father oftentimes it's their attitude and actions that the children follow. A father is the headwaters. Fathers start something. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Fathers start something. They are the headwaters. How they're not the only waters that flow, but they are the headwaters. Just like every river has a place of beginning. They are the source of the foundation layers, the author, the architect, and the builder. Yeah, we really stand in a wonderful position, a powerful position, an anointed role. Yes, hallelujah. Fathers are to function as the priest of the family. 
early we see this played out and says that Abraham built an altar to the Lord. You'll find that Isaac built an altar to the Lord. You'll find that Jacob built an altar to the Lord. And every successive righteous person, you know, operated as a priest to the Lord and a priest to their family. Think about it. Divine blessings are connected to the role of the Father. The scripture that we read in Genesis 18. I know him and he'll command his children and his household that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring. To Abraham, what is he has spoken to him? See, the blessings is not supposed to stop at one generation. The blessing is supposed to continue from generation to generations. So what does a priest do? What does it mean? Number one, it means he's consecrated. He has a personal consecration in his life. He's a person that represents people before God in family. Oh, hallelujah. You represent God in your role as a father before the family. Job is a good example of that. He took careful care watching the spiritual condition of his family. They not only represent to the family, but they also represent the family before God. Fathers, this is what you can do. Fathers are ones that give hope. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 says this, Fathers, do not provoke, do not stir up your children, lest they become discouraged or resentful. Ephesians 6, 4, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonitioning of the Lord, so that they don't become discouraged or resentful. So there's not a rejection. Don't have destructive criticism. Don't let tensions build in your home. It says that the goal of the father is to raise children who are not discouraged. He says, don't ruin their confidence. Build their confidence. Yes. In that passage of scripture, it's telling us that not only what we are to avoid, but it's also telling us what we are to pursue. Think about that this morning. I want to quickly move over here to discouraging our children. Not to discourage our children, but to encourage our children. One of the things that can often happen and create discouragement is that we demand perfection from those under our roof. Stay with me. I too am a father. Fathers can be extremely unrealistic. Now, I'm not butting into your household. I'm just throwing some out, something out there for you to consider. Did you know that a batting average of 350 
is considered tops in baseball. But you know what that means? That means that that professional ball player swings and misses well over half the time. And yet at 350, he's considered a batting champion, a hall of famer. Don't exasperate your children. Don't demand perfection out of them from under your roof. I don't know who that was good for, but it's too late for me. (laughs) But we're to give hope. We're to give hope. There are two men in Scripture that are that stand out to me that I revere probably at the top of my list and both of their names are Joseph. Joseph from the Old Testament and Joseph from the New. The Joseph I'm talking about from the New is the man that became God's choice. You know him Not because of the words that he spoke, because there are no recorded words from him, but from the life that he lived and demonstrated. A man that was a model of character, faith, and fatherhood. You see, when God the Father chose Mary, For Jesus, he was choosing Joseph to model fatherhood to Jesus. Probably the most overlooked person and character in the Bible. He's introduced to us in an amazing, you know, setting. Marriage is... Or the ceremony, let me put it that way, you know, is shortly. And then all of a sudden he gets blindsided by a report of infidelity. That's how it came to him first. Think about him that God entrusted Joseph with the role of father for his son, Jesus. It's amazing to me when God the Father wanted to prepare Jesus For his earthly ministry, he placed him under the care of a godly man who would lead his family and be a model of God the Father. Yes. What a testimony he leaves for us as we study his life. He was a mentor, he was a teacher. He lived with strong convictions and lived out his beliefs and his actions, and we will see that. He's described as a righteous man. We know as we study him, he was one who responded in obedience. A wonderful example of integrity, godly character, not wanting to make her a public example. We'll notice that Joseph's life profession played a role in Jesus' identity and ministry. And so will it in yours. There will be a divine and human connection. 
the words and the illustrations that Jesus used reflect the teachings both of Joseph's spiritual and practicalness that he learned at home. Yes, he was a priest. The teaching of Hebrew history. He knew about Abraham. He knew about Isaac. He knew about Moses. He drew upon the Old Testament stories. That which was connected to the natural in his life of words were yoke, key, door, plank, house, foundations, all part of his carpentry roots. Yes. Joseph was a spiritual leader. He was a teacher and a mentor. Scripture says he kept the feasts and the orders required. The eighth day he went up and had Jesus circumcised according to the law. And he went up every year to the feasts of Passovers. He intentionally kept the spiritual sails sailing in the right direction. Oh, yes. He's an amazing Man chosen by God. We don't hear much about him because he doesn't have a speaking part. But he does have a living part. He was a loving and a sensitive man. He chose forgiveness rather than revenge. Legally, he could have had her put away. Legally, he could have had her stoned. But lovingly, he protected her. He laid his own life and reputation on the line. He gave up. You know, his reputation, his image to protect hers. How many know that's a a lot like the Heavenly Father? Absolutely. He who knew no sin but became sin for us. Joseph was not guilty. He was innocent. But he gave up his innocence for the guilty. He acted with honor and respect. He did not let hurt and embarrassment to justify revenge. No, it did not interfere with his decisions. He was a man of trust, faith, and obedience. It amazes me. When I watch him in the various times that he gets a word of the Lord and how he walks it out. Yes, he is a man of sacrifice and letting go for the greater good. The angels would give him a message. He was patient. He was quiet in leadership. Think about this. I think there's an amazing thought here. Not because I'm sharing it, but because that, you know what I mean? God just kind of touched me with it. 
Joseph did not let his natural desires contaminate the divine progress and process. And he knew her not. He saw to it that there would not be a platform by which, you know, it could be brought into question. He refused to let it contaminate the process, the plan, and the progress. Oh, hallelujah. You see, waiting is a form of obedience. Waiting is not always, you know, doing something. Sometimes it's standing still. A form of obedience. He knew how to handle adversity. Yes. Divinely commissioned and taking on this major role, and all of a sudden, the bed of roses has thorns. It's not moving too smoothly now. It says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and Jesus writes to take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. And stay there till I bring you word for Herod and will seek the young child to destroy him. He knew how to handle adversity. He knew how to wait. He knew how to not interpret challenges. But he saw them more as deliverance than hindrance. Hallelujah. Yeah. What if God is trying to set up, you know, a life-saving mechanism for you and I? What if the bridge is out? Handle adversity. The scripture does identify Joseph with Jesus. It says in John 145, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. John 6 and 42, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? That is, of course, Joseph. As we study role models. You say, how is this? Why? Paul said... Follow me as I follow Christ. You need someone, okay, that can model. Someone that you can follow. Someone that you recognize, you know, is really following Christ. Yes. Provide the spiritual temperament for your family. Amen. Let's look at practically. You've heard them before, but let us be refreshed in some statistics about the fathers, how important they are. How important you are. 
don't let anybody take you from that role. Welfare is a fatherless world. There's no provider. There's no protector. There's no director. There's nobody setting the sails for the next generation. And as a result, God gets distorted in the mind's eye. Boys and girls without fathers are twice as likely to drop out of school. 70% of the men in prison grew up without fathers. 98% of the men in prison have contact with their mothers and only 2% with their fathers. Children are 63% more likely to run away from home when their father is, excuse me, absent. Militant atheists frequently have had dysfunctional fathers. Dad, when a father is a believer, it is 60% more likely that the children will become active believers than if just the mother is a believer. Yes. Got to get involved. Involved with your children's life. See, our children's spiritual standing is of primary importance. How are your kids doing? Don't be a passive father. Eli was a passive father and his children were ruined by parental weakness. Don't go about that you're the head of this family. You're the father of it. If you want to start something, start it. Yes. Lead the way. What am I saying? What's this about? This is about the prophetic word from Malachi. I'm going to turn them. We're going to start to reconnect. Spiritual priorities. Don't ever throw up your hands. Don't say, I don't know how to handle it. Get involved. God will give you the wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give to them liberally. Yes, you have father power.
this father power can be for good or it can be for evil. That's right. There are many that are using father power. And their children are walking away from God and not to God. But we can use our father power to cause children to walk toward God and not away from God. Let me give you some temptations that happen, you know, that as fathers you will face. Giving things instead of giving yourself. Toys versus time. Now, if you are so, are you blessed enough to have things? Great. But marry the things and your time. The next temptation is you save the best for the workplace. Nobody has an endless supply of emotional energy, enthusiasm, zest for life, so don't use it all up at work. Am I being too hard? I don't even think it's hard. I think it's, man... Look what I can do. Look what's at my disposal. Look at the power that I hold. So fathers, don't give your wife and kids the leftovers. Save some time for the end of the day. Think ahead. Maintain priorities. Keep your family surprised by the joy. The temptation that fathers face is also to deliver lectures rather than earning respect by listening and learning. James 1.19 So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Fathers sometimes have a tendency to get frustrated. And they reverse the order from listening to speaking. And when that happens, your kids turn you out. Now, obviously, there's a balance in all of this. The spirit in which you do anything and everything has a major effect. I've been around long enough, watched enough, and I watch instructions take place. And They have to say it over and over and over and over. What happened? They're tuned out. Somebody forgot to listen. To hear. To hear the heart. To hear what's going on. So I encourage you. Listen, see, you don't want to exasperate your children just because they can't jump high enough. My son's, they're away, but he, he won't mind this. My son is not athletic. He could care less about athlete, you know, 
baseball, football, tennis, you know, he's not athletic. I just can't figure out even why, why would anybody like that stuff? <laughs> but you put him into music and, you know, administration and, you know, the bent that God has given him and he just lives in it. It's just life that just flows. Ideas come, you know what I mean? And he's fulfilled. He's excited. Man, you know, guess what? It's okay. It's all right. Now he's been looked at with frowns and certain opinions and all of those things. Yes. I'll ask Karen to come this morning. temptation that you will also come your way is to underestimate the importance of cultivating your family's spiritual appetite. Why does the Bible say taste and see? It's called cultivating. Cultivating an appetite for it. Now, obviously, when it comes to food, you know, you can try to get them in some things that it's not, they're not going to get a taste for it. And it's best if you just kind of figure it out, you know, at some point, and, you know, they don't like it. But when it comes to spiritual things, I'd never give up. <laughs> I'd never give up on spiritual things. They might not have a taste for it right away, you know. But keep giving a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down <laughs> in the most delightful way. Again, I start with my Statement from the beginning, I don't know why, and I can't explain why some kids go off the path. They were not trained that way. They were not taught that way. You know? It doesn't mean you were a neglected father, that you're a father out of step. It doesn't mean any of those things. The important thing is that you just do your role. And do it understanding that I'm anointed for this. The decisions that I'm going to get, you know what I mean? I'm going to get because I've been at the throne of grace. I'm in partnership with the Heavenly Father. I am that child's image maker first image maker for my kids yes God has entrusted to the fathers the blessed opportunity to paint a image that can be transferred (laughs) when the time comes so they understand the Heavenly Father. Where do you think Jesus got that love from? And we go, well, he got it from the Heavenly Father, obviously, you know what I mean? But I believe that he saw the love of the father and that's how he could use the prodigal son he saw it 
Joseph lived it out and demonstrated it in his life. Yes, he was revealing the heart of the father when the adulterous woman came and was accused. But where was the first story that he heard about? Where did it come from? His own life. His own life. He heard the stories. You're illegitimate. But he also heard the story, what Joseph did. Amen. He had a model by which that could transfer and translate to the heavenly Father. And of course, at a very early age, we see the transfer taking place. As he was in the temple, and his parents had to go back after him. And when they go back after him, they ask him, you know what I mean? Hey, man, you, you've distressed us. He said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And, of course, another part of that story is there's a right time for you to be released into your spiritual mission. Twelve years old was not the time for Jesus to be launched into his earthly ministry. He still had lessons to learn. And where did he learn them? At home. <laughs> Amen. He learned them at home. He learned it, you know, from his father, his mother. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I got to close. I do. Stand with me, would you? The promise from Malachi is God is still doing that today. Still doing it today. You notice that it says that there would be a prevention. There would be a preventing of a deterioration lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The blessing is designed to prevent the curse getting to the earth. Yeah. Father power. Father power where's it come from from the heavenly father he's the one that confers it but we are the ones that must then as I made in that, that one statement there you know must not contaminate it don't contaminate it let us sing and close out this one I'm going to pray for the fathers hallelujah so if you feel God you know, generating something in your heart. If you feel God, you know what I mean? Pressing into you. And all of a sudden you're pressing into him. It's part of the revival. It's part of the revival of generations. The fathers and the children and the children and the fathers. The good news is that the relationships are getting sweeter. Yes. The relationships are going to start to produce the benefits. 
And the image of the Heavenly Father is going to start to clear up in the minds of the generations. Hallelujah. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've said this before and I'll close it out this morning with this. It's all about going forward. The enemy loves to bring up your past. The enemy loves to point out your failure. God's coming today to help us to see our possibilities. Amen. Yes. Not our errors, but our opportunities. Yes. Not our shortcomings. No. But what his plan is for you and through you as a father. Whether it be your own kids or whether it be even the kids of others. You have Father power. We're going to say a prayer of blessing. All right. And I want to encourage the fathers to have in your life, not just as you leave today and on Father's Day, but, you know, a regular thing, and that is to speak blessing, yes. to pronounce blessing, to declare blessing. When you do that, it's transferring an endowment of power of God's goodness and favor through the spoken word into that person's life. It's communicating God's blessing. The patriarchs were very strong in blessing. Transmission from generation to generation. What does blessing do? It releases the godly seed to grow. Creation. And God blessed them. Saying, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them by saying. You gotta say your blessing. Oh, yes. What is the difference between Esau and Jacob's life? The Father's blessing. The Father's blessing. Esau cried, Don't you have a blessing for me? I know the mistake that Esau made in his life. Mistakes will happen, but even the mistake-prone child still cries out for the father's blessing. He wants your blessing. Yes. Amen. We're going to give a blessing today. Father in heaven, you are the ultimate blesser. It is from you all good things flow and blessings flow. But you have put within us an anointing, not just me as a pastor, but in these men as fathers, God, to speak and pronounce and to bring and release the godly seed to grow. Oh God, in the soil of, of humanity. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you said that Jesus Christ was crucified and he gave his life and he was raised from the dead so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles or the outcasts, those out of the promise. So we pray this morning in Jesus' name 
that the full blessing of Abraham by the Spirit of the Lord oh, will come upon every father here today and they will transmit that blessing. They will pronounce it and declare it and bring alive by their own words the blessing on their family. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Go out. Amen. Grab that child. Grab that daughter. Grab that prodigal. You know, grab that one that's, he's just stayed home the whole time. He needs a blessing. Hallelujah. Go with God because he is on his way. Amen. You're dismissed today. Happy Father's Day.